the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. And I am sad to announce that Rush Limbaugh died today or last night. I don't know the exact moment. And he, whether you hated him or loved him, you cannot deny the, the enormous role that he played in more than any other single person shaping talk radio into the most powerful conservative voice in this country. There are great uh, websites. Fox News has played a, a big role, obviously. But in, in terms of numbers and, and sheer time, talk radio is is the gigantic juggernaut of conservative thought. It's regularly mocked by the New York Times as uh, buffoons, basically buffoons broadcasting. I would put virtually any of my colleagues up in a debate against five New York Times columnists, and at five to one, they, they would not have an advantage. My colleagues are extremely bright, extremely deep, extremely articulate, extremely knowledgeable. <laughs> uh, I mean, just 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 in my Salem world, just as an example. I mean, Hugh Hewitt is a professor of law at a, at a law school, right? And uh, Sebastian Gorka, who's in the government, is a refugee from Hungary and his, uh, his, his command of international affairs is, is enormous. Uh, I, uh, well, I, I am who you know I am. I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable. I have a pretty good grasp of the world. And you know, did my graduate work at Columbia I left to write a book, became the best-selling introduction to Judaism in the English language, written 10 books, from Bible commentary to an analysis of the left. We're, uh, and Larry Elder is brilliant author. I, you know, I'm just using the the Salem, some of the guys on the Salem lineup. There there are no buffoons. And it's it's a juggernaut. And Rush Limbaugh was was at the front. I broadcast, actually, he started in 88, I started in 82. Or 83, I don't remember which. 
and but I was I was local in L.A. till '99. He was he was immediately national, and it paved the way for many others to join. I met him on a number of occasions, and he struck me as exactly the same person he is. People ask that. I know that about me all the time. What is Dennis like? To which everyone I know who knows me has answered exactly what you hear, which is good. There's an authenticity about the person, and that was true about him. He did not speak. Is a very important point to that I that I think is worth making and important for everybody to know. He did not speak what he thought his audience wanted to hear. He spoke what he believed. That's that's very important. I know I have been led by that as well. And that is the reason that people listen to you ultimately. It's why your children listen to you. If you're if you're if you say if you give in to your kids all the time, they're not going to listen to you. You're not serious. You should want to earn your children's respect, not their love. You'll get their love if you get their respect eventually. So this was uh, this is a loss. There's no question about it. And he had a he had a special gift. He had political perfect pitch. Perfect pitch is a rare gift. I don't think you can develop it. It's a gift. You know, I, I'm very involved in music. So here, here, perfect pitch means, and I can't even imagine this. But if you hear a note. Somebody presses one key on a piano or plays a note on a violin. It's irrelevant. They will say, oh, that's an F sharp. That's an A. That's that's astonishing. But they they have it. He had perfect pitch in, in the political realm. He heard and saw what was coming. He and this and this drove his enemies crazy. He was also very funny. He started out, I remember, his show was more on humor it was, than it was just politics. It was utterly irreverent. It, it, was, it was truly funny. There is no late-night comic today who approaches a Rush Limbaugh for wit. They're, they're basically people with jokes uh, and left-wing propaganda. That, that's really what it is. That's what late-night TV has devolved into. So anyway, it's a, it's a loss, and it, it reminds us, appreciate what you have while you have it. Very difficult for people to do that. There's an old uh, Oregon saying in the timber industry... You don't know how tall a tree is until it falls. That's human nature, but it's pretty worth working against human nature. 
So some thoughts on the passing of Rush Limbaugh. I, I am just happy, apparently, because he was, wasn't he, didn't he broadcast last week? Or at least two weeks ago? Or something very recently. So he did not have a prolonged period, which cancer could lead to a prolonged period of real suffering. And that's, that's, that's horrible. And I'm glad he got the Congressional Medal of Freedom. He's done more for freedom than the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, CNN, NBC, ABC, and CBS put together. That's just a fact. Because they are anti-freedom. They believe people like me and him and others should be suppressed. CNN is, I mean, is, is open about wanting Fox News suppressed. They, they left can't handle it when anybody exists who says the left is wrong. They can't handle it. That's why they don't want us to go to universities. In their hearts, they know that one hour from a conservative can undo four years of indoctrination. That's that's the reason they have to smear guys like Rush Limbaugh. Right? That's how it works. All right, y'all. I want to play well, we'll play some of these clips. Yeah, there's so much here. <laughs> I hope you heard yesterday. This is a fear of mine. It's a legitimate fear. I, I raise issues with you of such spectacular importance. And then, ne- inevitably, and of necessity, I move on to another issue. And then I wonder, do people remember Do people remember that the Oregon, that I mentioned yesterday, the Oregon Department of Education, believes that there is no one right answer in math? And that advocacy of one right answer in math is a form of white supremacy? Why would you send your child to a school in Oregon? We'll be back. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. Eight hundred five hundred eighty three eighty four. 
The fact is, the Internet never forgets. There has never been a more important time to protect your Internet activity. It's why I urge you to get ExpressVPN. Everything you search for, watch, or click online can be tracked by big tech companies. They can then match your activity to your true identity using your device's unique IP address. When I switch to ExpressVPN with my computer or phone, my IP address is masked. Plus, you can use ExpressVPN on up to five devices simultaneously. So multiple users on your network can stay safe with a single subscription. That's why they're rated the number one VPN by CNET and Wired. Take back your online privacy with the VPN I trust at expressvpn.com slash Prager. By visiting my link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Prager, expressvpn.com slash Prager. All right, I played for you earlier, Dennis Prager here, played for you Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs from California wanting a truth commission. America needs a common narrative. In other words, America all needs to think left. They're totalitarians. I've said this all of my life. Listen to Eric Swalwell. It's like they, they really... Got a deluge today of remarkable comments. Here's uh, Eric Swalwell. You know, the choice was, well, do we chase those people, not knowing what they're going to say, to the courts for years, or do we go forward with a powerful thundering case that we have? And also knowing that Mitch McConnell was already telling us that he believed the challenge was a jurisdictional one. So we could have called God herself. And the Republicans weren't going to be willing to convict. So we're proud of the case we put forward. Were there witnesses that were? I like that. God herself. Now, why did he say that? To score points with the left. So we could have called God herself. And the Republicans yeah. weren't going to be willing to convict. So. He should read my commentary on Genesis, the Rational Bible Genesis. I have a very powerful essay on why God is referred to as male. Any, anybody who says God herself is an ignoramus about what the Bible thinks and, and, and is a fool about life. Males need a, a male figure to give them commandments. Men don't take orders from women. So if you want women to be treated better, you want less violence, you want less corruption... It is better to have a God who is compassionate, as described constantly, and loving, and who makes moral demands. Ask a single woman what it is like to raise a boy. All right? So there, there was wisdom in the Bible, which of course doesn't believe God is a man. There's no, God is, is not male or female, but God is depicted in male terms. A Hebrew is either male or female. Hebrew has no neuter. English has neuter, but not uh, not Hebrew. But uh, it's, it's you know I don't know is he, is he winning points after sleeping with a Chinese spy? Do I really want to take this man seriously? I don't care if the man committed adultery. That is not my business. I've said that I said that with with Bill Clinton. I, I didn't want to know. But Chinese spy, uh, that's, a, uh, that's a different story. And that is, in fact, uh, what he did. 
Yes, indeed, my friends. I'm still reeling from the Oregon Department of Education. Sean, you want to put on uh, the next one? Let's hear. Uh, okay, th- this is uh, President Biden. Uh, the Biden, the uh, military uh, and police fueling growth of white supremacy. Capitol on January 6th and on, on our democracy more broadly by your predecessor and his followers. While I appreciate efforts being made to bring them to justice, I worry about ongoing threats to our country from Americans who embrace white supremacy and conspiracies that align with it. What can your administration do Wait, to address before, this complex we, and wide-ranging problem? Who, who, com- who, who was the propagandist, the liar, who uh, asked the question? Does anyone know? A professor? Hmm. Well, that makes sense. This uh, this is the creation of fake enemies is always done on the left, always, and it was done by the Nazis with the uh, with the Reichstag fire. The uh, this is what totalitarians do. They they uh, they make believe this is this enormous threat to society. So give us more and more power, so we could suppress. So what they do is that. I bet 99% of you never met a white supremacist. I don't know where they hide. They must hide so well. I don't know where they are. I don't know. Uh, I, what are they? There were a couple of hundred in Charlottesville. This, you know, that that was it. I mean, it, it, this notion of we have to rid the country of white supremacy is is one of the most enormous lies in modern history. Every one of you knows it's a lie. I mean a real lie, not the make-believe Washington Post lies about President uh, uh, Trump. This is the genuine article. So they create, what they do is they create monsters, so you got to give us more power to kill the monster. So let's hear uh, Joe Biden's response here. What can your administration do to address this complex and wide-ranging problem? It's complex, it's wide-ranging, and it's real. You may re- I got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, and the most dangerous people in America continue to exist. That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks and I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. And you see what's happening in the studies that are beginning to be done, maybe at your university as well, about the impact of former military, former police officers on, on the growth of white supremacy in some of these groups. You may remember in one of my debates with the former president, I asked him to condemn the Proud Boys. He wouldn't do it. He said, stand by, stand ready, or whatever the phrase exactly was. It is a bane on our existence. It has always been, as Lincoln said, we have to appeal to our better angels. And these guys are not, and women are, in fact, demented. They are dangerous people. Who, 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 who was he talking about? He's such a tool of the left. I always said he he stands for nothing. He stands for being president, and that's what he got. Well, 
All right. How about the uh, Biden clip on the vaccine, Sean? It's one thing to have the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccination. Wait, 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 wait. Why is that not a lie? Why is that not an out and out lie? We didn't have a vaccine when he came into office? Wasn't he vaccinated before? What, what, What was his vaccine? Smallpox? They get a polio shot? Oh, shingles. For some reason, the press reported it as, as against COVID. Is he going to be called out? Washington Post have its lie detector on, on Biden? It's one thing that the vaccine, which we didn't have when we it's came a calf? office. They called it a calf? Really serious? Who called it a calf? Okay. All right, my friends, click on the uh, the cruise on my uh, on my website to join me, and click on the Israel banner to join me later in the year. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. When I have a serious thinker online, that's about as high a compliment as I can give. Joshua Mitchell who is a professor of political theory at Georgetown University, and I hope this does not in any way offend him, but I hold that against him, and I still invited him on. Thank you. Perhaps I can make it up by telling you that I'm also with the Claremont Institute's new Center for the American Way of Life. Ah, okay. Yes, there you go. (laughs) He has written a a very good book, American Awakening, Identity Politics and Other Afflictions of Our Time. Whenever I have a an academic on who is not on the left, I just ask, because I'm just so curious about your life, A, are your colleagues aware of your views? Uh, I think a few of them are. They don't talk about it. I'm... I mean, I guess the polite way would be to say I'm largely left alone. Hold on. By the way, Professor, do me a favor. Uh, You're not that clear, so if you're on speakerphone, I I would ask you to to speak into the phone. How about this? Is this better? About three times better. Good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my, My colleagues, I think they largely leave me alone. A few of the older ones have respect for me. Uh, Georgetown, like so many, almost all universities, has has fallen for for this woke uh, frame of mind. Everything is really about social justice these days. I teach Plato, and the great question of the Republic is, what is justice? And yet, around here and in every university in America, the supposition is we know the answer to that question, and it's called social justice. Yes, which uh, I, I've told my listeners for years is not the same as justice. If no, it were, no, no. they would say justice. So when yeah. so are they, for example, familiar with your book? Do they know you wrote this book? Uh, no, <laughs> they don't. By the way, uh, the, and- the fact that your colleagues don't know you wrote, you're a full professor at Georgetown. They don't know shows what a what a bubble they live in. At the end of American Awakening, I have a section on uh, of acknowledgments, and the very last thing I say is that I'm well-published in university presses. I have three books from the University of Chicago Press and one from Princeton. 
And so I wrote this book with the expectation and hope that I would be able to place this in a, with a prominent university press. And as I say in the book, without exception, I, I submitted this to every press, and every press said the exact same thing, even ones I have published with. They said, I'm sorry, this book does not fit our list. Doesn't fit our list. Meaning, we do certain sorts of things. Yes, the meaning it's it's things. not on the left. Yes. Yeah. Right. Know. Very troubling. Very troubling. So you have a thesis here, and I, I I love theses. I'm a fan of them. I have a lot of my own. You have three, in fact. Is that correct? Uh, the book is divided. Yes, into three distinct sections, each one pertaining to a particular affliction. Good. So let's hear them. Well, the first is that uh, we've fallen into a, a phase where we are consumed by what I call the identity politics of innocence. And and the second one is that even if we were to solve that problem, we're suffering uh, from a kind of bipolarity slash manic depression, which doesn't have a medical treatment. It's a, it's the, that's the section where I talk about the Tocqueville, who said, interestingly enough, at the end of Democracy in America, in the future, I see Americans thinking of themselves as greater than kings and less than men. So we saw manic depression in sociological terms. And then the third section uh, is really, uh, it gathers together a number of disparate phenomena that seem to be unrelated, like opioid addiction, fast food, driverless cars, Facebook, uh, artificial intelligence, fiat currency. And I say all of these are experiments of what I call substitutism. We're supposed to use these things as supplements to real life, but in fact, they become substitutes for it. So it's a profound pathology that we're facing, and I think someday we'll realize it, but I think not now. We're still facing identity politics. That's the thing that's most immediately in front of us. All right, so we'll start with the identity politics. So you you mean by identity politics that you you are not, A, A, you are not American, you are black American or African American or Hispanic American, etc. And you are not you, you are white. Is that a fair summary of identity politics? Yes, I contrast identity politics with what I call the politics of competence, which is what we're supposed to be doing here in America. Namely, we look at each other, yes, we're different, but we're supposed to be building a world together and through that developing our own competence. Uh, that's what should be happening. That's the only way we can build a world. What we've replaced it with is what I call the identity politics of innocence. Okay, hold on with that. Identity politics of innocence, uh, but I have a hard break and I want I want to continue. The book American Awakening is up at DennisPrager.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Prager here. I have a professor. Yep. A professor at Georgetown University. Professor of Political Theory, Joshua Mitchell. His book, American Awakening, Identity, Politics, and Other Afflictions of Our Time, is up at DennisPrager.com. And the first thing I learned was this man who's been published by the University of Chicago Press, Princeton University Press, submitted it to them. But because it's not, because it's conservative and not on the left, he would he would not be uh, he would not be published. Uh, I, I, look, I I'm sometimes I, I speak for a living, professor, and yet there are times mm-hmm. when I'm speechless because there's nothing I can say that approximates the threat 
the unprecedented threat to free speech that this country is undergoing. Anyway, his book is published by Encounter, which publishes wonderful books. And I say that as a regnery uh, author. <laughs> so I just want to, uh, but I, my listeners expect honesty from me. So you were talking about the first affliction is identity politics. And you spe- said of the, of the innocent, I don't follow that. So let me pick up where you just left off talking about free speech and try to get to identity politics and show you the link. You know, I tell my friends on the right that, that we should not be talking about this threat as cultural Marxism or multiculturalism. This is indeed something new. And, and let me give you uh, evidence of this. So I'm going to list off a bunch of words. Hater, denier, transphobe, misogynist, homophobe, Islamophobe, fascist, Nazi, uh, and more recently, insurrectionist. Now, all of these words are not designed to engage in political discourse. They are engaged, they they are designed and intended to purge and to scapegoat. And my thesis in the first part of the book is that we are in a kind of Salem witch hunt moment in American history where the task is really to seek a way to purge the poisons from the body social. Toxic masculinity, for example, this is a medical term. You're supposed to purge toxins from the body. And when your objective is to purge and to scapegoat, you will have no respect for free speech because the task is not to build a world where people are able to freely exchange ideas, but rather to purify the body social. Now, I argue that this is actually a deeply deformed Christianity because what Christianity understood right from the outset was there was a divine scapegoat who takes away the sins of the world, that all human beings are stained, uh, and that only through this divine scapegoat could the sins of the world be, be uh, left behind and we could have something of a pure world. Of course, at the end of time, it's actually purified, but we can only build a world together that's not wholly stained and polluted through the divine scapegoat. And my argument is that with the collapse of the mainline churches in, after the Vietnam War and with the softening of the Roman Catholic Church, which has been happening for a half century as well, the category of transgression and stain left the churches and came out into politics. So it's not an accident that the Pew Charitable Trust published a study a number of years ago which indicated that a whole new generation of people have no religious affiliation. My point to that is that they don't need to have a religious affiliation because they have a way of understanding purity and stain and transgression and innocence. It's called identity politics. So it's been the failure of the churches and the synagogues. Soloveitchek was talking about this in the 50s within the Jewish tradition. It's been the failure of our, of our biblical institutions, so to speak, to wrestle deeply with sin and to give up on it because they wanted a God of love, not a God of judgment, uh, that has, has basically allowed the movement out of the churches into politics of the category of purity and stain. Even with respect to climate change, I'm all for paying attention to science, but when you hear things like we need to move from dirty fossil fuels to clean green energy, I'm enough of a biologist to know that those categories are not biological categories. Those are spiritual categories, which I think alerts us to why so many people are suspicious 
of climate change. It seems to be about more than what it professes to be. So we're in the midst of what I call a, a great awakening without God and forgiveness. The first and second great awakenings in America, 1760, 1820s, were attempts to find purity and to purge stain. That's what religious renewal is all about. We have one going on right now today, which makes free speech impossible because it's about purging the, the impure ones. Uh, but it's one that doesn't have room for God and doesn't have room for forgiveness. So let me tell you, I have uh, I have two reactions. One is, God, is it a joy to hear you? And the other is, ladies and gentlemen, I am no longer necessary. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, this the concept of post-Christian, and I'm a Jew saying this, the post-Christian world has given us Nazism, communism, and fascism. It's, it hasn't given us Boy Scouts. And I am, I am as certain as I am of my name that the collapse of Christianity in the United States will lead to evil. And you, you have put it in such eloquent uh, terms that, that uh, I hope everybody got it and I hope everybody reads your book. There are no irreligious people. I say this almost daily. The only question is, is it, is it the Judeo-Christian religion or is it a secular religion? So if, if I may pick up right on that, uh, the, the pagans were involved in scapegoating. I mean, they, it's, what I, it's what I call cathartic rage of one nation battling another in the name of purging the other's gods. And, and Christianity put an end to that kind of scapegoating. That's why St. Augustine is the first one to come up with a, uh, a just war doctrine, because now you can't go to war just to discharge your rage to purify the world. You have to come up with reasons. And the reason theologically is you have a new way of understanding how you get rid of stain, and that's the divine self-sacrifice. So my argument well, Hold it there. That, that, uh, this is so important. It should be italicized. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everybody. I, I need to tell you, I feel like I am as close to an orgy as one can get to use a truly uh, inapt term, but I am, I'm going crazy with this man, enjoying him this much. Uh, you, you truly, uh, I didn't know either until now how much we have in common, uh, and I just want you to know being on my show is 20 times more valuable than being published by Princeton University Press. Just just <laughs> as a fact of life, I just want you to know that. By the way, more mind-blowing about our kinship that you didn't know about or I uh, is you have used the exact same artwork on the cover of your book as on the cover of my commentary on the book of Genesis. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it was That's good it was, Yes, exactly. That's right. Good taste. <laughs> Joshua Mich Mitchell is the man. He's a professor of political theory at Georgetown University, uh, where posters of him appear throughout the campus and uh, students genuflect. It, it is a very moving thing uh, to, to know that there is one campus. Uh, uh, of course, I'm kidding. He, his, his colleagues don't even know that he has published this book, which is mind-boggling. I have to have you on again because I 
am, I am certain, and I've said it all of my life, that this is ultimately a religious issue. Yes, yes. Uh, and right. you don't have to be religious to even understand that. I don't know if you're religious, but I, I know I that you are. Well, which religion? Uh, well, uh, to be somewhat uh, smirkish, I would say I do missionary work in the Anglican Church, or in the Episcopal Church. Oh, so you do missionary work among the Anglicans? <laughs> well, in the Episcopal Church, actually, I, I move. I, you know, my right. The, was, yes, you know where this goes. <laughs> That's why I said it exactly. Yeah. The uh, well, look, it's it's part of my theory. I'm Jewish, and I. Uh, it's funny today after this show the, later this afternoon, I have a Zoom session uh, with uh, six or seven uh, Jewish liberals, which is uh, redundant. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, uh, uh, they they wanted some dear man wanted to have a dialogue, and I'm fine with it. It'll it'll be fascinating. Uh, but uh, what I believe is, I assume what you believe that the left has poisoned both our religions. It has, and it you know to put it in the theological terms I used before, you know the mystery of God is it's both the God of judgment and the God of love. Uh, the God of mercy, if you want to put it that way. And I think what's happened in the modern age, and especially in the 20th century, and maybe it's because of the catastrophes of World War II, I don't know, uh, the two world wars, but uh, and beyond. Anyway, what you, I, I, it kills me. Listen, I'm having you on again. Joshua Mitchell, American Awakening. Awakening, it is up at DennisPrager.com. 